Yep. Here we go. Another episode. Another day. You know what I mean? That's my family in the background. Y'all don't have to. Sh- it's okay. Just do what y'all do naturally. Um, I'm recording live from the dinner table. You know what I mean? This is episode 43. And uh, before we get started, let's go ahead and drop that beat. Jason Podcast. I am your host, Jason Tyree, aka A Man Called Jason. Jason. That's right. And like I said, this is episode 43. I am recording live from the dinner table. Family, you can say hello. Hi. Hi. That is my family back there. Um, Yeah, so if this is your first time listening to this podcast, first of all, thank you. Um, Make yourself at home, and when you have time, just go ahead and follow me on all social media platforms. Walk with Jason, everything, okay? It's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the whole nine. You can find me with the username, Walk with Jason. And if you can't find me there, you can... Definitely go on my website, walkwithjason.com, and find out all of the information about your boy. Yeah. Okay. So, um, this is usually where I give the update of what's been going on with me this past week. And um, nothing much, guys. Uh, <laughs> nothing groundbreaking, really. Um, happened this week because um, yeah, it was just one of those one of those weeks, one of those rough weeks at work. Um, but it was it was okay, you know. I still handle my business. I am coming up on one year at the job. Yeah, let's give let's give a round of applause for that. Uh-huh, uh-huh, right i got my audience clap in here this week um yeah so especially if you're new go ahead and listen to like the first 20 episodes you'll kind of get um a journey of my unemployment stint where i didn't have a job and i was kind of documenting the season of not having a job and so it's pretty cool that i can go back and reference that and i want to do more documentation this is why it's called walk with jason this is a journey that i'm on i am jason and you guys are following me on this journey i don't think this is going to be a long episode yes as you can hear that is snowball the puppy that's 
made his way into at least the last three or four episodes. Um, but yeah, kids are out of school. Um, I'm sure they're excited to be home. They are glued to electronics, which is kind of, you know, I get it because when I was coming up, I played video games a lot. And my mom was like, you need to get off that video game and go outside. But these are different times. You don't just want to send your kid outside like, like we used to do. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we used to do in the past that I don't think you can really get away with. Like, I remember drinking from the um, the water hose. I remember um, ringing doorbells and running. Well, I didn't do that a lot. I think Snowball just peed or something. I don't know what's going on. He has the dish towel, and I believe he peed. And now he thinks it's a game. So, yeah, my wife is dealing with Snowball at the moment. He sneezed earlier, and it was hilarious. When dogs sneeze, like, their whole facial muscles, face muscles just contort, and then they just let out a loud, a loud scream. Um... My youngest daughter just fell out of her chair just now. So it's a lot of things happening in the background here. Um, but that's what you get when you have a wife and four kids, you know, a lot of activity going on. I usually shield you off from this activity, but I was like, nah, I need to record now. Need to get this podcast out here. Um, yeah, so what was I talking about? Oh, back in the day, kids and what we used to do. Uh it was a lot of, it was a lot more activity outside in my day though. I mean whether you were playing a flag not flag football, two hand touch football. <laughs> we used to bend the rules all the time. It was like two hand touch, but if you like are near the sidelines, we could tackle you, which it was so dangerous. I don't know why we played that because this out of bounds was usually the curb where the street was. Like, if we tackle you there, you could easily land on the street and really scuff yourself up or, or even worse. Um, of course, basketball. And we had those adjustable. Well, I guess they're all, they're all still adjustable height. Um, courts, but we didn't have the um, like I keep saying back in my day, like I'm 70 or something, but a lot has changed in the past 20 30 years. And I remember we had the basketball courts where you had to dig a hole in the ground to put the basketball court up with the cement. Yeah, they make it much more efficient now with the um, the little base, and you can roll it and move it wherever you want, but. They didn't really have it that much uh, back in the day. So we had to like dig a hole in the ground and put the the pole 
like it was it was a lot but anyway um yeah they they did adjustments they adjusted the height on the basketball court so it was like eight, eight feet tall instead of 10 and yeah. depending on how high you can jump you can still dunk on people it was fun it was real fun i remember i bust my face on a pole one day trying to dunk on somebody ah those were the days <laughs> anywho um we and we started making up games too I'm not I'm not gonna go into detail about those games, but we made up some games when we were outside. We we had fun outside. Depending on what neighborhood you lived in, kinda depend on the level of fun you had because certain neighborhoods you couldn't do certain things, but for the most part we was we was outside, man. We was outside. Um what's next? What can, what else can I talk about? Um NBA, no, I don't want to get into that yet. I don't want to get into that yet because there's a particular reason I'm holding off on the NBA draft. Um, the BET Awards is currently on right now, and I had no intentions of watching it, um, mainly because just I don't know, man. I guess you can attribute it to my age or what, but I just was not keen on watching the BET Awards, but I am seeing, you know, people post stuff about what's currently going on. I'll probably look at some some clips or whatever tomorrow. That's how I normally do now. Um, but I want to talk about the freshman cover. I think it's double XL freshman cover real quick. Clearly I'm not gonna stay on it long. Go ahead, man. Do your thing. My son's getting chips. That's where you hear that crinkling noise in the background. Um, let me pull it up. Freshman cover 2019. Let's see what we got here. This is like each year. I know less and less. Less and less. Okay, here we go. So, Double XL Freshman Cover features, and I'm going to go by the names. I'm probably going to mess up the names on some of them because I'm just not familiar with them. You have Blueface. He's the guy who did the Tatiana song. Yeah. I'm going to describe the picture, too, because <laughs> I just listen. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Blueface, he's the one that looks like Sideshow Bob with the hair. And he, he has like a humongous fan of money in his hand with like four or five gold chains on him. Uh, the watch and some type of suit, you know, you know what it is, man. Typical hip hop stuff, right? Yeah. Um, next to him, I don't even know if they're in order, so I'm just gonna read the names. Um, Com 
Comethazine. Comethazine? <laughs> He's like a, his name is similar to a drug, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah, I don't know who he is at all. Who's next? Tierra Wack. Now, the name sounds funny, but I've heard of her before. She's actually very good. She's probably the best lyricist on this cover. Which is kind of hilarious because it's only like two or three female MCs on this cover. Whatever, whatever. Tierra Wack, look out for her. The baby, the baby. Now, <laughs> this name is extremely lazy. The baby, that's his name. Um, he's fairly popular amongst the the peers, I guess. But I'm not too too familiar with him. I think I maybe heard a song or two by accident. But the baby, that's his name. Um, maybe. One day he'll change his name to the grown man. I don't know. Listen, this is just all new to me. The baby. What a name. Um, next to him is Little Mosey. Little Mosey, not Little. Sorry. Little Mosey. There's a lot of Lil's coming back. Never heard of him. Um, who's next? Roddy Rich. Never heard of Roddy Rich. Day in my life. Man, this is pretty sad because I used to be up to date on hip hop. Um, why be in Cordain? I've heard of him. I heard that he's a decent lyricist. I haven't heard like a full song from him to give my analysis on it, but. Um, I heard he's semi-legit, so I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Bless you. That was my wife sneezing. Um, and my son is still crinkling the bag in the background. This is a very interesting podcast. I just want you to know. Um, YK Osiris. Never heard of him. Um, let's move on. Rico Nasty. I've heard of him. I heard he's pretty decent. Eh. I haven't heard a song from him, though. But I have heard of him prior to this cover. Um, Gunna. Gunna is his name. Yes, Gunna. Not Gunner, but Gunna. Um. I can't even point them out to which one because I don't even know if they're in order or not. I just know what Blueface looked like, what Tierra Wack looked like, and the last but not least, what Meg the Stallion looks like. Meg the Stallion is probably the most popular one on here. Debatable. Um, but she seems to have the most momentum going for her. She's interesting. Uh, she did an interview with Joe Budden, which I enjoyed the um, pull up interview. It was it was pretty decent. Um, she seemed like despite her antics, she seems to have some type of goal in mind. Uh, so. Yeah, that's that. Guys, listen, 
that's all you're really getting from me on this. I don't really know them like talking about it. So that's that. Um, what else? While I'm here on the subject of music, I was surprised that Little Nas X was not on the cover. But at the same time, it's still kind of hard to categorize this dude. And so he recently released his EP called Seven. Um, this past Friday, and it was I. Right. It was I. Right. You know, it's what I expected. And he was smart to at least release an EP instead of an LP. For those who don't know the difference between an EP and an LP, is EP kind of look at it as like a sampler. Um, album and then the LP is more of a full album. Um, so yeah, he did his thing. He has some. He had a few catchy joints on there. One with Cardi B. Um, he had another one. I forgot Panini. I think that's the name of his new song. It was alright, man. You know. He, he he was still riding the country hip hop mesh, but there was some on there that was kind of rock and roll hip hop, and I was I don't know, yeah. But yeah, that's all I got for hip hop as of right now. Let's move it along, shall we? Ha <laughs> Um course i'm not gonna move it along without my transitional music that's right hit it I'm being gross. Um, all right. So the next subject is I'm still updating you on things that's happening with me. And the biggest thing that I'm currently working on is this mixtape. Um, I, I don't even think I hinted at the mixtape. I just told y'all. And I don't know if y'all are fully paying attention, but yeah, I told y'all was what was Guang's on over here. What was Guang's on? Um, nah. See, there's certain songs I want to play on here, but I don't know if I'm gonna get flagged because I'm rapping over popular beats, and that's kind of been my method. Like, I'm not gonna go fully on out on making original beats and making an album only for select a few to hear it I, d I don't have any aspirations of being a full-time rapper um and doing certain things so i you know i it's it's recreational at this point but i do need to go ahead and read off my numbers for y'all because for some reason i still don't think y'all think that i'm a rapper rapper um, 
You know what I mean? So uh, I'm coming up on 20 years of rapping. And when I, when people normally say that who don't who don't have a deal or aren't actively on stage and doing stuff like that, they're like, "I right, you probably rap every once in a while, once every five years and everything. Da, da, da. No. For the past almost 20 years, every single year I have done something hip hop related. In the booth. Y'all need to y'all need to understand that, okay? First and foremost, within that twenty year span, I have recorded over two hundred songs. I have been on two albums. Um I've been in I think I've been in like two or three groups, man. I think so. Got like eleven mixtapes. Like my resume is just nasty, yo. And I don't really be talking about it because I don't I don't really like bigging myself up or talking that talk, you know what I mean? But I think y'all need to know what's what's happening. Um, cause I say all of that to say that this mixtape coming up here. This mixtape here. This mixtape right here. Fam. Like this is gonna be nuts. To kind of give you an example of why it's gonna be nuts, like out of all the mixtapes I've done, um, solo wise, there's only one mixtape where I had like features. No, I take that back. Two. Two, right? Yeah, two mixtapes where I had features. I had to double I had to double check. Yeah, two mixtapes that only have features. The first one, matter of fact, let me let me pull up. Let me pull up some uh information real quick for y'all whippersnappers out here. I don't know why my son is jumping off the steps, but he must know that I'm recording and uh he wants attention. So that's what's happening. Uh, okay. Voice to the voiceless. I had one, two, three, three, right? Three. Three features on here. I had three features on that joint. Um, no features on there. Married with children. I had one, two, three, four, five, six, six features on there. Okay. And every other joint had no features. I'm saying that because as of right now, I have one two three four five six seven eight nine nine confirmed features for this mixtape and i might get one more um so it is a very 
collaborative project I'm working on. It's not going to be like long features, so it's still going to have the feel of, okay, this is a Jason mixtape, but it's Jason and friends. Um, so I'm very excited. This is probably the longest process I've taken as far as picking out the right beats for the mixtape. Um, and I'm going to handle this one with, with kitty gloves. I said gloves, gloves. Um, and really take my time, man, because, um, this might be my last mixtape, which I know at this point y'all like, man, whatever. Cause I said that last year and I think I said it a year before, but, uh, I can't imagine rapping after past 20 years, like I'm coming up on 20 years of rapping. I, I don't. I can't imagine myself saying, yeah, I'm 21 years in the game. I'm 22 years in the game. Like, I, I'm done at this point, guys. Um, But, yeah, working on that mug. Very excited. Everybody who already I already talked to and confirmed with, they got their beats. And they are static. They were like, yo, you serious, aren't you? I said, yeah, man. I'm serious. So I can't wait to see it all come together. Um, pretty excited. I don't know if y'all can hear that because my mic is pretty good and it normally blocks out surrounding sounds, but okay. I know y'all heard that because I can hear it on my headphones. Anywho. Um, <laughs> where, was, where was I? What was I doing? I'm live. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a lot of confusion for a split second. But yeah, um, I could tell this podcast is going to be short. But I do want to talk about, I was trying to procrastinate on it, but um, I want to talk about it now. Um, the NBA draft, we have a bell by the door. I just want y'all to know what's happening. I know y'all heard that. We have a bell by the door that's supposed to be for Snowball, and we're training him to ring the bell when he has to go. Um, so that's what you heard just now. Anywho, the NBA draft. NBA draft happened, and I'm, I'm going to just be straight honest with you. After the fourth pick, no, I'll take that back. After the 10th pick, I was like, all right, I'm done. And the only reason I stayed past the fourth pick was because I'm a UNC fan. I wanted to see where Kobe White and the other players were going. I was happy for Kobe. He's going to Chicago. Uh, actually, we had three cats from UNC going to top 11, top 12, something like that. So I'm I'm going to miss them, but I'm happy for them. And I'm happy for all the people that got picked up. And even the 
um, undrafted people that initially got picked up later, like Bo Bo, which is Manu Bo's son. Um, no, he got he got drafted. Who was it? No, it was uh, uh, Taco Fell. I think that's the name. Am I? Is that is that his name? I know, dude is like seven feet seven or some something, something crazy like that. He's mad tall. Let me hold on. Let me Google real quick. Taco Fall. That's a weird name. Um. Yeah, but he was he was giving um Zion fits up in the tournament. Dude is seven seven. Yeah, Taco Fall. Anyway, he didn't get drafted, but the the Celtics ended up picking him up. So we'll see how he'll do um, in the league. And it's crazy, man. You can see someone hoop like just ball out of control in college, but they get to the league and it doesn't translate well. And a lot of these guys who get picked up or get drafted phase out in two or three years, which is kind of sad, but at least they got drafted, you know, at least they can say I got drafted. But anywho, you know, the talk of the the draft was, uh, Zion Williamson, um, Ja Morat and, um, RJ Barrett, they were the talk of the draft. And what's my guy's name? Zion. Zion came in that joint, man, and he was um he was wearing a white suit, oddly reminiscent of um LeBron in 03 when he got drafted. Dang, LeBron got drafted in 03. He's like a he's an OG now, which is weird. Man, time is flying. Time is flying. Uh let me see if I can pull up the clip of Zion Williamson um draft night. Let me see what we got here. All right. So. Um, no, nah, I don't want to play that. I don't want to play that. I want to play. Um, I want to play John Morant's speech. And then I want to talk about uh, R.J. Barrett. So let me play these two real quick, and then we'll get to the main topic of this podcast. All right? Oh, come on. Most of us want to make some type la, of difference la, la. in the lives. Sorry. Had to mute it. All right. With the second pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Memphis Grizzlies select Ja Morant from Murray State University. Ja. Ja Morant. He won't be nice. It's a little over 
a year ago, I guess, and our draft guys said maybe John Morant was a was a fringe draft guy at all. Then he went to a summer camp, Chris Paul's camp, and then got in the mid-first round and after a sensational season, moved all the way up. He's a second overall pick. Mike Conley has been traded uh, from the Memphis Grizzlies, spent his whole career there, the great Mike Conley point guard, and now John Morant takes over in Memphis. John, John Morant's yeah, dad I think he's a, is a wonderful prospect. Like you said, kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I love those guys with chips on their shoulders, and, and he plays the game the right way. Jay, you know him a lot better than anybody. Well, he, he's the best passer in the draft, Chauncey. He's got creativity, delivery with either hand. He's an ambidextrous passer, averaged 10 assists per game. That led the nation. He's also really creative. He doesn't just see angles. He creates angles. All right, Ja, from being the guy that was forgotten and then discovered in an auxiliary gym to the number two overall pick in the draft, how does it feel? It feels good um, to be able to accomplish my dream. Uh, how I got here is just crazy. I know it probably uh, give a lot of people more confidence, and I'm just very excited. What gave you the confidence to know that, that your game was big enough to belong on a stage like this? Um, it started with me. I feel like if you don't believe in yourself, then who will? And I had the right people around me, my family, coaches, um, always lift me up and push me to work harder and be the best player I can be. And speaking of the family, we've got Dad T here with you. And I know that the, the backyard workouts is the stuff of legends. You had Let me pause this real quick. So, you know, John Morant, he got drafted. He was giving his speech and everything like that. And, um... You know, he was talking and things like that. Then his dad um, walked up right beside him. Now, let me get the joke out the way real quick because John Moran's dad did look like Usher. And uh, I forgot what video was that? Caught up. <laughs> I think it was the caught up video. He did look like Usher, though, in the face, uh, which is hilarious to me. But, um, yeah, his pops came up next to him while he was being interviewed. And so let me go ahead and play the rest of it. And jumping on tires, doing agility drills. Uh, what were you trying to put inside of him to help him make it to this moment? Uh, basically, basically uh, hard work, fundamentals, dedication to everything, you know. And I mean, once he, once he told me that he loved it and showed me he loved it, I wanted to pump everything in me inside of him so he can reach the highest point. And now that he's standing here next to you as the number two overall pick, what are you thinking, Dad? Hey, man, praise God. Praise God. He worked hard for it. And, Ja, you always said that your dad gave up his basketball dreams to help you accomplish yours. So tell your dad what this means. It means a lot for both of us. We both know what I've been through. I don't want to get a little emotional up here, man, but I just want to thank him for everything he done for me. Um, he made me who I am today, and I'm just thankful for it all. Thanks for your time, Ja. Thanks, Dad. Reese? Hey, long live Trey. <laughs> All right, so that was John Morant, man, just thanking his dad for for just depositing into his life, taking a sacrifice, giving up his hoop dreams to help his son fulfill his hoop dreams. You know what I'm saying? Like I was saying, John Morant's father played alongside Ray Allen in college. And so um, 
if he really wanted to, he could have pushed forward and, and pursued dad and or or did something else. But he saw something in his son and he worked with him. Um, and now his son is the second overall pick in the 2019 NBA draft. And that was a beautiful moment there. Right. And I think I'm going to still play Zion's joint because I think, no, it was somebody else. I don't know. But the next one I want to play is RJ Barrett. Um, where is that? Yeah, that's too small. That's too small. I want to play. I want to play the whole joint. RJ. RJ Barrett. Now, mind you, I, you know me, man. I, I'm not a Duke fan in the in the lightest. Like I, uh, can't stand Duke, but I am happy for these guys, man. For real, for real. Um, I'm trying to think. Nah, cause that's a little too long. Nah, forget it. I got time today. Let's play it. 160 points in his freshman this year. This fifth among freshmen all time in Division I history. You know, he really enjoyed the entire process at Duke. Said everybody needs that year of college to play Fortnite and go to Waffle House in the wee hours every time. <laughs> all right, I'm well, he's got an NBA body bit. right now. He's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, with a 6'10 wingspan. Excellent in transition. Reminds you of James Harden with the way he gets to the rim. Very versatile. Uh, you mentioned he now. All right, I got to the part where I'm fast forward. Now, <laughs> I joke about the New York Knicks because they got they got screwed at the uh, draft night because they should have got the first overall pick. But you know how the lottery is. They ended up getting the third pick because they was really hoping they can get Zion. And it's funny because New York got like all Duke players who weren't Zion, like in the NFL draft, they got, what, what was my name? D Daniel Johnson or something. I forgot his name. I don't know. He was some quarterback. And then they got another Duke guy, which was RJ. Uh, no, yeah. RJ Barrett, not Zion though, but who knows, man, that could play in their benefit. Um, be for the best. We'll see. Cause RJ, actually was probably the best player on the team. Um, we'll get into my opinions about Zion later. But I want to play R.J. Barrett's, uh, I guess, reaction, speech, what have you, interview. So I'm going to go ahead and start that. And he just got to see his former teammate cheering for him. But R.J., you already have a jersey. You heard all the Knicks fans in here chanting your name, so they're ready for you. Tell me why you're ready to be a Nick. I'm just, I've given this this game all I got for a long time, and I'm just ready for this. I want to embrace the city and embrace the team and everything, so I'm ready to go. Yeah, you said that you were built for this, and you wrote down at 12 all the goals that you had on a whiteboard. How have you made it to this moment? It's about working every day. You know, my, my parents, they... They took a lot of time out to, to make sure I was okay and make and make sure I'm good. So just by really working hard. 
And the Maple Mamba is what they're getting. That's the nickname. It's actually written inside of this jacket. Tell them what that means. It just means, um, you know, just representing Canada and, um, and my Kobe mentality, just that competitive mentality. So, you know, everything all together to get the Maple Mamba. I saw you getting a little emotional when you saw Dad start to walk up here. Uh, Dad, what does it mean to be in this moment? Because he told you when he was 12, this is the stage that he wanted to stand on. I'm excited for him. Uh, you know, your, your children make goals. Mm. And they go out and achieve them. You have to be proud. Very proud. I'm proud of you, son. Tell me what you want every Nick fan to know about your son. Uh, my son is going to give everything he has on the court. Um, he's a competitor. He plays to win all the time, every time. He's going to work in the offseason. He's going to get bigger. He's going to get stronger. He's going to get more skilled. And uh, uh, we're just scratching the surface of, of who he's going to be and hopefully who he'll be for New York. All right, well, we'll be watching the journey. Congratulations, RJ. Congratulations, Rowan. Reese. That was a beautiful moment. Um, Y'all heard the clip just now. That was RJ Barrett. Hold on real quick, guys. What happened? Okay, never mind. Um, yeah, so y'all just heard that clip of RJ Barrett. Um, he got super emotional when his dad came up there, man, and you can tell they have a tight relationship. Um, it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. Uh, that was probably one of the the highlights of the biggest highlight to me of the night seeing that um really happy for him and you can just see how proud his dad was man and how close they they are um and so much so everybody um everybody was talking about it everybody was talking about it including Stephen A Smith now, Stephen A. Smith, he's going to explain in this clip that I'm going to play. Um, but he tweeted out something to the effect of, well, let me just play the clip of Stephen A. Smith. I'm on the record last night, and I tweeted this, and, you know, a lot of people um, were taken aback a little bit by it. Uh, I wish I could tell you I gave a damn, but I don't. Um when I saw uh, R.J. Barrett crying in his father's arms while his father was talking to ESPN, I, I, I wrote last night, and I put it on all my social media pages, this moment epitomized what I saw a lot tonight, black fathers having played significant roles in their child's lives, obliterating the stigma about us that has been disseminated for decades. You have to be proud. Very proud. I'm proud of you, son beautiful night some people took offense to that i want to be very very clear y'all can kiss off now i do understand that various communities out there all have our troubles and first and foremost before we're black white hispanic um or latina whatever word is most you deem most appropriate asian american native american jewish whatever the case may be we're all human beings first, and I totally get that. And I certainly take, I certainly understand the point that no single community is, is, is perfect and devoid of troubles and trials and tribulations. 
But when it comes to the issues of fatherhood, do not tell me that African-American males have not taken a major hit because of how we are viewed and how we are talked about. And when I saw R.J. Barrett, when I saw John Moran and others by their father's side, with their parents talking about the hard work that they put in, the sacrifices that were made, the things that were done to ensure that a child's dream could ultimately be fulfilled through the proper channels, hard work, dedication, commitment, no shortcuts. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. Barrett and John Moran in particular. You know, in Barrett's case, break down in tears and John Moran clearly holding them back, giving props to their fathers. As a black man, it touched me. And that's why I said what I said, and I meant what I meant. And I still mean it to this day, and I will mean it moving forward. I'm going to take a moment and step away from the world of sports to say to y'all that although the black community has various troubles, and there is no denying that, I cannot tell you how offensive it is as a black man and as a father for the depiction and the stigma that has been perpetuated and disseminated for decades about black fathers. It is offensive to us. There are many, many, many men who are black, who love their children and are an integral part of their children's lives and make the necessary sacrifices and exhibit the necessary commitment just to make a better life for our children. And although you do have some deadbeat dads in our community, that don't mean they don't exist in other communities. And it doesn't mean that that particular plight is not exaggerated in our community. And so when I saw the opportunity to bring attention to that, that's exactly what the hell I did. And for anybody that has a problem with that, y'all could kiss my you-know-what. I want to be very clear about that. Now let me get back to sports. <laughs> perfectly, perfectly said by Stephen A. Smith. Perfectly said. I mean, he he laid it out from all angles. He was like, listen, yes, there are deadbeat dads in the black community. There are deadbeat dads in all communities. Is it more exaggerated in our community? Sure, sure. But the stigma and the, the, the it's like a, a laser focus on blowing up this narrative that black fathers aren't in their children's lives, that they don't exist. Um, it's, it's, that's played out at this point, man. I know way too many people way too many of my friends who are fathers who are involved in their kids lives man and maybe decades ago stuff like that the whole narrative was all oh, black men you know they leave their their child's life but that narrative is changing and it's not getting enough light. And I'm so glad that Stephen A. Smith 
took a moment in time to highlight that because it was very, very evident that night, draft night, you know, um, front and center. And it, it was just beautiful to see. Very beautiful to see. Um, Stephen A. Smith, if y'all don't know, he has daughters, you know. So he's a father himself. I'm a father, you know, and I think what I've I've recently started doing and explaining my fatherhood is I kind of I'm kind of talking less and less about me not having a father in my childhood, um, which I didn't. But later on in life, we. You know, we've repaired and restored our relationship and I was able to build a good relationship with my dad um, before he passed and everything like that. So it ended on a great note. Um, however, I didn't grow up with a, with my dad in the home, but I've in telling that story. I've been shaving off and weaning off of talking about that particular standpoint, because at the end of the day, we can't keep using that no daddy excuse that a lot, a lot of people rely on. Oh, I didn't have a daddy in my life. That's why I'm this way. No, that's an excuse. You relying on that excuse. You're relying too heavily on that crutch. Um, now I don't, I don't think Zion Williamson talked about his dad per se, but you can see how well mannered and 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 how nice he turned out to be. Same with LeBron James, and I hate to say well mannered and nice, like black people are just animals or whatever. Um, but I'm just saying, like. As far as how people turn out eventually, whether you have a dad in a home or not, like that shouldn't stop you from becoming a decent person and breaking that stereotype and taking care of of your children and taking care of people, um, not just men, but women like Tiffany Haddish. Look how she's turned out, you know, like there are people Jay-Z. Okay, Jay-Z is the first hip-hop billionaire. He's a billionaire now. He didn't have his dad in the home. But you think he 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 allowed that to become a crutch? You know what I mean? Like for those who keep using that as an excuse to pacify or justify your behavior, that's you got to stop, man. Like I, I'm this way because my dad wasn't there. C- cut that, man, for real. Cut, cut it. Um, and so for me, like when I, whenever I tell the story, I want to tell more of what's happening currently. You know, I'm currently in my kids' lives. Um, I, I want to see them do even better things than, than what I've accomplished. Um. And so on and so forth. I'm here, you know, and I have four of them. 
I know a lot of people that will run away from that responsibility. Like, ah, four? Nah, man, I'm out. Like like they used to say back in the day. <laughs> I think Dave Chappelle said that. Um, Dave Chappelle said, you know, back in the day, man, they didn't get divorced. They just say, hey, I'm going out for a pack of smokes. So I'll see you later. And you wouldn't see them anymore. And then, you know, it's not like they had Google Maps or anything like that. The world was much smaller. So you can go away and move like eight, 10 miles away from where you used to be and start a new family. Kind of, sort of is a a story that happened in my own family with my grandfather. Um, But even in that, he didn't neglect his kids. He was in his kids' lives. And my dad, like, even though he wasn't in my life in my childhood, it wasn't like he was trying to avoid me because my dad. He has he ended up with, I want to say six, (laughs) I I believe it's still six. Yes, it's the six of us. But we all have different mothers. So my dad, you know, hey, it is what it is. All right. He was a rolling stone. But even in that, even it, even in the fact that he wasn't stable enough to stay in a relationship or stay in a kid's life, he still made sure that he was involved somehow, some way. Like, even though he didn't live with me, I knew of him enough. Um, and it wasn't like he was trying to deny me. Um, He just wasn't fit to be in the household. And I think I mentioned this um, a couple episodes prior. But. A lot of couples stay together and they are in turmoil because. They feel that, hey, let's stay together for the kids. That was my uh, daughter's barrette. Um, Let's stay together for the kids. And a lot of times that's even worse than divorce, because now you have this toxic relationship that's still existing in front of the kids face. And they're taking all of that in thinking, oh, well, this is how relationships should be. So if your excuse of staying together is for the kids, then you need to reanalyze that like. Um, I, I forgot what I think I heard in the passing, but somebody mentioned that, oh, well, they turned out better because they had two parents in a home that, you know, you can't you can't say that some people turn out worse because they have two parents in the home. It's not it's not a cut and dry thing. It's about the health. Mental and emotional health of that parent or parents in the home that makes the significant change in in a child's life. Um, So just because they're together doesn't mean that, oh, the child has a better chance. And just because the child's growing up in a single parent home doesn't mean they're going to turn out to be criminals, drug addicts, or what have you. So many successful people come from single parent homes. So 
it was again it was a beautiful sight to see and what was also beautiful specifically about rj barrett was you know he was talking his talk and this he's going to the new york knicks the, the new york crowd you know how new york is man but it was so beautiful in that moment because he was talking about, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm coming to New York. I'm going to do my thing, yada, yada, yada. Then his dad walked up, man, and he just, it was like, man, the tears was flowing. I mean, the way he was hugging his dad, man. And when his dad looked at him and said, I'm, I'm proud of you, son. And he had to, he responded, thanks, dad. Like that moment right there really got me. It just... Ugh. It got me, man. That was that was beautiful to see. Um and John Morant the way he uh he tried to hold back the tears, you know what I'm saying? But he was still caught up. You heard the voice trembling and everything, man. And it was showing clips of him and his dad working out and stuff like that. I'll be honest, there are some tweaks I, I still need to do as a father being more involved um, in the kids' lives. I think one of the things that I'm still trying to work through is not working so much and working so often that I, I miss a lot. And I don't know if that's due to paranoia of having to take care of a lot of people um, because a lot is really, it really, you know, especially financially, it runs through me. And if I get caught slipping, then we're going to really be without for for quite a lot. But even when I wasn't working, we always had provision. Even when we was going through the struggling times in life, like God was always there. And it reminded me, um, I want to say about a month or two ago, not about a month ago, earlier this month, matter of fact, um, my wife, she went to Tulsa um, and we lived in Tulsa for, well, I lived in Tulsa. I was in Tulsa for 14 years, but I think together as a family, we was there for about, wait, all right, let me do the math, 2006. 2013, about seven years. We was in Tulsa as a family for seven years. Um, and we had three out of our four kids in Tulsa. And those seven years, man, whew, I mean, it was times where I mean, when we first got married, both of our cars was broken down and the church had to come through in the clutch to help us out with food because we didn't have it. And we lived in apartments for the first, I want to say four or five years. And it got to a point where we had three kids in a two bedroom apartment. And it was so cramped that one of the kids had to sleep in the, li um, the living room in the crib. Like we was, we was, we was moving along, man, but it was struggle times, definitely struggling. And what was crazy about all of this, my son, he's the oldest. Um, he's going to be 12 in October. And my wife was taking pictures of the old apartments 
the last apartments we lived in before we started like renting our homes and then eventually getting our home here. Um, and so my wife sent me a picture of the apartments and I showed my son cause I, I, I wasn't too sure if the girls were going to remember it cause they were like very little, they were infants, but my son, I figured, you know, Hey, he was old enough, um, to remember. And I showed him the picture and he looked at me with a straight face was like, we lived in apartments. And I was like, did you miss all of that? Like you missed, you missed that period. You didn't know. He's like, no, I thought I remember the red house, which was the first house we rented, but he didn't remember the apartments. And I could have sworn he remembered the apartments. Like he, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, he should have remembered this, but he said he didn't. And that, that blew my mind because as a parent, when, when you're going through tough times and, and hard seasons and stuff like that, especially as a dad, you're like, man, I hope the kids don't remember this. I'm over here overstressing because I'm thinking that they're picking up all of the struggle moments that we're having and things like that. And they're having a, a stressful time, just like I'm having a stressful time. And that's not the case. Um, here I was just praying that they didn't retain this, the, the, the super hard seasons and lo and behold, they didn't like, I was sitting there overstressing for nothing. Cause in the grand scheme of things, it may be hard now, but when you go in the future and you look back at what God has done for you. especially with kids, they may remember a little bit, but they don't remember nearly as much as you remember. And in a way, I guess that's a blessing. Um, so that kind of, that kind of shocked me, man. It did. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a on the job responsibility. Um, on the job thing. I'm still learning this thing out fatherhood my kids are getting older my son's about to be a preteen uh, my daughters are getting up there in the double digits um, even our youngest she's four she's going to be starting preschool like the kids are moving qu quite along and they're getting more expensive like <laughs> for those who have babies and y'all think, oh my gosh, this baby's breaking my pockets. Like, buckle up. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. Man. Shoot. Diapers and baby food? Yeah, that was simple life back then. Now we gotta go school supply shopping and buy new clothes every two, three months because they keep growing and stuff like that. And, or they break expensive toys and and we ain't even, they're still in elementary school because middle school and high school, like, <laughs> Lord have mercy. I don't even want to, let me enjoy the now. <laughs> let me enjoy the now. Um, But yeah, my wife is over here. I don't know. I think she's working hard on her business that she hid from me to surprise me for our anniversary, Um, which I still haven't forgotten about that. 
the way she just finessed the whole game and and kept her business away from me. You know what I'm saying? She thinks she's slick. But uh yeah. She's over here. Um I was gonna get her to speak, but I ain't gonna do that. Um yeah, I think that's it, guys. This is it for this episode. Um, kids are in the other room now playing video games and watching TV. Uh, one of my daughters asked me, she's like, Daddy, so uh, are you off of the summer like we are? Ah, <laughs> uh, No, no, that's not how it works. Uh, would be nice, though. And who knows, man? Maybe, maybe I'll get to a point. Oh, that's one more thing I want to talk about. Clearly, I didn't have any um, podcast notes, so I'm winging a lot of it. And plus, I I did wanted to do an episode where my family was kind of moving more about in the background. Um. Okay, that scared me for a second. I thought I wasn't recording. Anywho, let me do transitional music because. I need to break this up. So let's get back to the transitional music. Hit it. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. Yeah. Ha. I gotta get it. <laughs> you know what? I might actually use this drum on the next day. <laughs> oh, this, this is great. Uh, let me play the other uh, transitional music that musics i said musics mm, that's not a word music i'm gonna play the transition of music i have and i'm gonna let y'all be the judge but here's the other joint uh yeah uh yo kick it all right i'm not going in the flow yeah uh, here's another one. Oh yeah, you're listening to the sounds of a man called Jason. We're gonna get you to the next segment, but right now, just sit back and relax and listen to this transition. Yeah, that's too laid back. What's another one? Here we go. Yep, uh, that's not me. Um, <laughs> I thought of like four or five podcasts when I heard that, though. But certainly not this one. Um, what's another one here? Hold up, though. That one had a little bop to it. I know it said classical rock, but hey, I might have to use that joint. Oh, that joint had a bop to it. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh, snap. Um. Is this a. No, I'm not going to play that. 
Alright, so last thing I want to talk about is um I'm currently in a, a financial small group at my church. Uh well not a not an finance, it's more of an investment small group because I wanna I wanna learn more about investing and investments with stocks and bonds and IRAs and all that stuff and it's been real good. And I've only been to one class. Uh, we've already been through two sessions. I've caught up. So we have the third session. It's the four it's the four week class, which kind of sucks because y- you're not going to learn everything you need to know in four weeks with that type of uh information. But it's been very great so far. There's been a financial advisors on deck there. Um, and they just, just the, the super basics of investment. I didn't really know much about, like, I didn't know, I knew what stocks were about. I didn't know about, um, bonds, mutual funds, IRAs, um, you know, index companies and stuff like that. And it was, it was very interesting knowing the differences um, and knowing the proper time to take risks and stuff like that. It was it was real good, and I can't wait until um, I get to the class this this next Wednesday. We have it every Wednesday, uh, so yeah. And I want to I definitely want to follow up with that that one financial advisor guy. Um, his name's Doug. Shout out to Doug. I highly doubt that Doug's listening to this, but I felt need to shout him out anyway. <laughs> um, but Doug, Doug was clutch because after that first class, I was sitting there like, oh, yeah, because one of my biggest things about investing was I'm either going to be very conservative or very aggressive um, when it comes to investing and he, you know, throughout the class, I would throw out questions and stuff like that. And it was like, ah, I wouldn't take too big of risks because you can lose a lot of money, things like that. And it was just telling me it was they was guiding me in a way I probably should move once I start investing. Um, so I think I'm going to start with mutual funds when it's time. But that's the thing when it's time. And that's when um, Doug was very clutch. Doug was like, yo, let me. Uh, course he didn't say it in this vernacular but i'm paraphrasing um he was like hey i i can see the itch i can see you want to invest right now the first question i have for you is how is your emergency fund looking and i was like (laughs) i mean i mean (laughs) Like I, I couldn't even give him a straight answer. He was like, no, you know, just tell me a little bit about your emergency fund. I was like, well, we kind of started. My wife is very good at um, putting money aside, it's, you know, saving it. Um, I, I told him, I think we have maybe a thousand set aside. I don't know. We just started. And he was like, okay. 
at least you're aware and at least you're started and you, you got something towards it. What you need to do is have between three to six months worth of expenses in your emergency um, account. I mean, your emergency fund. And he was like, I would actually advise six months. I know they say three to six. It's up to you. But if you can get six months worth of expenses saved in your emergency fund, then you'll be ready to invest. You don't want to invest without an emergency fund. And then he's like, once you do start investing, you need to agree on a percentage of how much you're going to invest because if you don't have a percentage of how much money you're going to be working with you will be gambling um you you pretty much be gambling your um your income and that's something you don't want to risk especially with a large family um and they also put me on game it was like listen your job offers 401k. You need to sign up for that 401k. You just letting money. I know, I know it's, it's going to look tough at first because you're looking at it like, oh man, my take home pay is going to be a little less. He's like, you're not going to really feel it, especially if they're suggesting 5% and the 5% is before taxes. So technically it's like 3.5% once it's all said and done, which is not much. Um, but what's crucial about it is if your company's matching it, then you need to take heed and, and capitalize on that opportunity or else you're just leaving money sitting on the table. And I'm, like I said, I'm coming up on a year on the job. And I remember when I first signed up, and he was talking about my my boss is like, you know, Jason, you really need to take advantage of this 401k. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. And he's like, all right. And so now I'm looking back and I'm like, man, should have took advantage of it. But to my defense, I've gotten two raise. Oh, let me, let me rephrase that. I have received two raises since working there and when they first approached me about 401k i absolutely was not thinking about 401k because my my pay at that time was very suspect um but now i'm at a place where it needs to be done because we need to have money for the future um, and so, yeah, I'm excited to learn and, and grow and get more involved in investing investments. <sighs> yeah. And I think it needs to be taught more in the black community because <laughs> I definitely didn't grow up learning about Roth IRAs and stuff like that. And bonds and man. And it's crazy because I remember growing up with people saying, oh, man, see the white man, you know, what I'm saying they prospering out here and they got all the money and, you know, they trying to keep us down and stuff like that. And da, 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 da. like. 
there could be some truth to that, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that you're not really doing the research. And it's not like they're keeping the research away from us. It's there. Learn about investments. When I looked at um, the Forbes um, article about Jay-Z becoming a billionaire finally, and they broke down exactly. Matter of fact, let me see if I can pull that up. I want to see if I can pull that up. Um, Jay-Z billionaire. That's crazy that he's a billionaire. All right, a breakdown of Jay-Z Forbes. Here we go, I like it. Forbes, icon, artist, billionaire, how Jay-Z created his $1 billion fortune. Here we go. To calculate his net worth, we looked at the artist's stake in companies like Armadette, Armin D. Brzezniak Champagne, applying our customary discount to private firms. He owns 100% of that um, of that particular brand and has partial ownership of other companies. Then they add up his income, subtracting a healthy amount, subtracting a healthy amount to account for the superstar's lifestyle. We checked our numbers with a roster of outside experts to ensure these statements were fair and conservative. Turns out Jay-Z really is a businessman. So he's probably worth more than a billion dollars because they subtracted his expenses. So he's making more than a million, I mean a billion. This is crazy. But anyway, check this out. Quick breakdown. Uh, the Armin D. Brzezniak company, that's his Ace of Spades um, champagne company, is worth $310 million. His cashed in investments, which people scooted past, but this is why investing and learning about investments are so important. Cash in investments, $220 million. His portfolio includes a stake, a stake in Uber worth an estimated seventy million. He reportedly purchased purchased his piece for two million back in twenty thirteen. Let me let me break that down again, because again, this is investing. He bought his stake in Uber for two million back in twenty thirteen. Six years later, it's worth seventy million. Man, I'm telling you, investing is oh, all right. And then Wired founder Travis, I'm not going to say his last name, another five million in attempt to increase his holdings, but was be rebuffed. So he was trying to get some more. He was trying to get some more stake on the on the low. And it's like, nah, fam. Um, do say that's a joint beverage um thing with Bacardi that's worth a hundred mil she whiz title the streaming service 
I remember he bought that joint for maybe what 35 mil or something. It was it was cheap. It's worth a hundred million dollars now. Um uh, Rock Nation. That was my kid screaming. Rock Nation, 75 million. You already know what Rock Nation is. Um music catalog. His music catalog. 75 million. Okay, I'm gonna come back to that. Let's let's put a tack right there. Come back. Art collection. His art collection. Art. Art? Just art. He buys art. And his art is worth 70 million dollars. Art. That's an investment. Real estate, another investment. 50 million. Fam. Let's get back to the, you know what? I'm going to add Rock Nation and the music catalog together because they're both 75 million a piece. No, actually, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm going to keep them separate. Music catalog. $75 million. $75 million out of a billion? is super small that's that's like eight percent eight percent of his net worth is only due to music from which we know him from everything else has to deal with investments same thing with um bill gates because i was like come on microsoft windows ain't making them all that money no He's rubbing shoulders with Warren Buffett, man. He got a little piece of the uh, the investment pie. And a, a large chunk of his net worth is dealing with investments. And, of course, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is the investment guy. <laughs> That's where his fortunes are. And they're the richest people in the world. And so when you see these celebrities with large money, Please believe they're investing in something. And I want a piece of that pie, baby. I want a piece of that pie. Yeah. All right. That was random. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, learn about investing. Even if it's on a small scale, like art by art. Because now Jay-Z Come on, think about it. If Jay-Z would have just stopped that music, he would have he would have only had 75 million. Which is not bad. Not bad at all. But I'm sure a billion dollars to pass down to his kids is a lot better. Um, that's just his money. We ain't even talking about Beyonce money. So you know their kids are straight. Right. I think Beyonce is worth 400 million. Yes. 400 million. Because Rihanna, I'm glad I'm talking about this. Because Rihanna is actually the richest female musician out there. She's worth $600 million. And you already know most of that ain't coming from her music which her music does very well. 
she wins a lot of accolades and her music is played everywhere. But since she stopped doing music momentarily and opening up this Fenty brand and the makeup line and all this stuff, trust me, that's where her fortune is coming from. With Beyonce. Beyonce's worth 400 million. She gets a lot of money from tours, but she did something which I think Jay-Z helped her out with. They didn't say that Jay-Z helped her out with this, but this sounds like a Jay-Z move. But check this out. Beyonce performed for Uber back in the early decade. And Uber was going to pay her $6 million. Instead of her saying, please give me my $6 million check. I just finished performing for you guys. Instead of her doing that, she said, I would like private stake in the company with that $6 million. And they said, cool. A few years later, Uber goes public. And that $6 million investment turns into $300 million. The power of investing. Stop putting your money under the mattress. You can't get extra money on top of that. You ain't getting no interest. You ain't getting any of that. All right? Investments, man. I'm telling you, that's the way. All right. I'm done. I feel like my breath stinks and I'm hungry. And (laughs) I've been okay. I was about to say something else, but that's too much information. Just never mind. Um, <laughs> you want to say something? She's good. I'm not going to ask the kids because they're going to be loud. Um, <laughs> oh, we're at, we're at 125. I was going to do my AKAs because I haven't done my AKAs in a long time. But nah, fam, I'm going to go ahead and just end this podcast. But um, anywho, I will catch y'all next week. Like I said, over the course of the next couple of months, maybe sooner, um, it's a lot of things going to be happening. The mixtapes coming there's something in conjunction to the mixtape i'm not gonna tell y'all about yet that's coming the podcast itself this podcast that you're listening to is gonna go through um a change for the better i believe um but yeah it's gonna get better and better and so yeah there's some things that i still need to finish but um it's gonna be good i can't wait um i didn't do my kawaii laugh for this episode so i don't want to miss that out (laughs) yeah got my kawaii laugh going on um and i'm happy i finally got my applause like um soundbite so Now, one of my listeners had a problem with my air horn. She's like, you and these horns. And I was like, yeah, yeah.
It's like, you're killing me with the horns. You know what I'm saying? Y'all killing me with this <laughs> And I'm like, listen, fam. The horns are staying. That's right. But that's it for this week. Hope y'all have a great week. Um, stay safe out there. It's summertime. Summer, summer, summertime. Summertime. Huh? It's not our doorbell. Okay, that was weird. Um, yeah, summertime. I still think Rakim wrote for Will Smith on that song, but that's another topic for another day. Let's finish this podcast up again. Have a great week. I will catch y'all next week. And you know what? I'm going to do a different drop ending for this. I don't even want to do the typical drop. I'm going to end it on something else. Hold on. Give me a second. DJ, go ahead and scratch up something real quick. Yeah. All right. Holla at y'all later. Peace. I pushed the wrong button. (laughs) Okay. Let's try that again. A man called Jason. Jason.